0: Welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris. And today we've got two great guests. We've got Carl and Katie Schmidt. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, Chris.
2: What's up, Chris? How are you?
0: I'm doing well, my friends. How are you?
2: Life is good on our end. Yeah,
1: we're excited to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, yeah, likewise. Well, before we get started, I got to ask, have you both been fishing recently?
2: uh we were both on the islander two and a half day Oh, do was that two weeks ago we had really good yellowtail fishing and uh she's going on the san diego tomorrow then i have an eight day coming up in i don't know about two weeks on the shogun
0: oh my gosh that's uh, that sounds amazing any uh, idea where you're going to go on that eight day
2: hopefully aleo's rocks it's been really good fishing wahoo fishing and pretty good yellowfin tuna fishing and that probably 15 to 40 pound class fish, you know, but I think most of it's like 20 pound, 25 pound fish. Oh, but, wilder fishing is really good.
0: I know. I mean, right now it's like almost no boats could actually miss right now. It's just absolutely epic fishing right now.
1: I'm super excited to fish the islands tomorrow. It just brings me back to like the good old days of fishing the Coronados. So I'm actually really excited about that.
0: Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's get started. Carl, we'll start with you. I know you've got a very extensive background with the landing and and working on boats and all that stuff. Tell us a little little bit about yourself, man.
2: Well, I started working on fishing when I was seven or eight years old on the half-day boats, and then probably started working on boats when I was probably 10, and I think my brother Mike was nine. We both started on the Fisherman Three. And he kind of stayed with the half-day fishing, and I went on to working on the Apollo for five years. And Rick Polak was the guy that was driving the boat at the time. And then I worked there till for five or six years. And after that, Kevin Ward came aboard the Apollo, and then he ended up buying the Champ. And then I went over, with, over on Champ for another five years or so with him, got my captain's license when I was probably – I took the test when I was 17, and I got my license when I was 18, my captain's license. Then I worked there for a while, got my experience there. Then I went on the searcher, and again, I worked there. I think I worked with Art and Kevin Ward and Aaron Remy for six or seven years. Then I was on the Islander for a long time. Then uh, I got up into the office because... Uh, Katie's dad was sick and she was pregnant with our youngest one. So I decided to take a year off and, uh, to help out with stuff around the house. And they offered me a job to be one of the managers managers there. And I did that. And I've worked in the tackle industry with Doug Kern in the shop on and off for years whenever they needed a help. And I worked there for a few years on and off and stuff like that. So I really got a well-rounded base of the boats the uh, landing side, the management side, the tackle side, and pretty much been doing it since I was nine years old.
0: So having worked on the boat pretty much set you up perfectly for that for that manager role.
2: Yeah, when they wanted, when they were looking for someone new, and this is when Tim and Doug came on to the landing uh, side of the business, they wanted someone that knew all pretty much a lot of the boat owners. They wanted someone that understood how boats ran and their operations and really under wanted their point of view versus just the landing's point of view. And so I really brought that so I understood both sides of it really well and I'm a good bridge between the management side and the boat's understanding side and how things want to be run and the boat's perspective versus hey, this is just a land operation, and I bring the boat side along with, with it, and it works out really, really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you do you prefer any uh, either side, or do you you got off the boat years ago and you haven't looked back since?
2: No, I, no, I still work on boats occasionally, you know. Uh, I still have my license, and I try to keep that up as much as possible. I'm working on a Pegasus trip next week, you know, on a day and a half, so charter and I try to work some on the Liberty and i worked a couple trips on the Shogun, and, uh, I, I work relief all a little around all the places when I can, when I have time and stuff.
0: No kidding. That's cool, man. I didn't know that. Very
2: cool. So when they want someone to night drive or someone that they know they can get, have trust someone to get to a point A to point B and they can trust someone and that's when they, they need, this time of year, a lot of people want an extra day off or whatever. The season's been really long. I mean, we've been going since March. So this is where I kind of get really busy this time of year.
0: Yeah, I uh, definitely can understand that. Usually, you know, I'll get those calls myself and all that. And usually, you know, maybe September, October, when when guys are burning out a little bit and they need an extra day off, it's, it's actually a pretty cool gig when you can get it.
2: Yeah, it's fun, you know, it kind of gets you away from everything, but it kind of keeps your foot in the, the water there or whatever in the business and kind of keep you relevant on what's going on. And it's good uh, um, information, you know, to bring to the customers when people call and ask, you really do have like actual experience and know what's going on. You're on the water and you really do know what's going on and you're just not making something up. So it's really nice.
0: Yeah, for sure. Having that role is kind of the best of both worlds. I like it. Katie, let's move on to you. I know you've, uh, you know, I knew you from a little while ago and you had a, a job previous to this one, but tell us about your new gig with the Intrepid.
1: Um, so I started with the Intrepid the middle of April and that was kind of, um, fell in my lap kind of situation, I guess. They were looking for um, someone to take over as their previous manager was retiring. And I um, had previous experience with other long-range operations um, like Carl. I've been fishing since I was 11 years old, and I just grew up. Actually... Um, When I sit in my office there at Point Loma, I look out and I see some of the boats that I fished on when I was a little girl. So it's very full circle for me. But then um, in college, I worked at a sport fishing landing, and then um, I worked for one of the fish processors for a while. So I had, like Carl, a ton of experience in different parts of the industry. So it was pretty seamless for me to go into the office. I actually started a few days before their first trip this season, but Um, it's been a great fit for me. It's an incredible boat. It's a great crew. Uh, But the best part for me is that I really haven't met a stranger yet because I've just been in that industry for so long that it's just been kind of a seamless transition for me to be in there. And um, I really enjoyed my new role.
0: Very cool. So I've got a question for both of you, Katie, we'll start with you. How, I guess, how valuable or how great of an experience is it when, you know, both of you pretty much have been in this industry for a while? Um, How valuable is that to have experience in multiple, uh, let's call them facets of the whole industry? Um, Katie, we'll start with you.
1: I mean, like I said, I've had, um, like, I even did kind of Carl's job before I was assistant manager at a landing, and so I kind of know the ins and outs of that, but then, like I said, I worked for one of the fish processors, so I understand, you know, just taking care of the fish and the process that goes through with that, and then, you know, I've been on a long-range trip, so when I'm sending people long-range fishing, it does kind of make a difference when you understand all All aspects of it because it helps you have empathy for, you know, everyone along the line, everyone in the industry, you know, and so I just try to be super appreciative of everyone's role because everybody has a role in, in all of this, you know, from the people that, um, you know, work at the docks loading our customers to me, to the guys in our tackle shop and ticket office to the crew and the captains. And then, you know, when you offload, there's a whole process of, you know, those people that work in the fish processing. So there's many hands. And even though we're different companies and different operations, I feel like we're all part of one community that works together with one common goal, which is, you know, (laughs) obviously happy customers and great fishing and, you know, positive um, atmosphere for everybody. That's cool.
0: That's very cool. Carl, what about you, man?
2: Uh, it's really nice, you know, especially I deal with a lot more first timers coming on the boat, especially if they're going on the half day on the Dolphin or the Liberty. It's really nice when someone calls where they, they they might be from, who knows, Indiana, never seen the Pacific Ocean. And you could really walk them through the whole uh, situation, what to expect, what to bring. Uh, what they are going to you give them a realistic idea of what to expect some people call and they've never seen the ocean they've seen something on youtube and they expect they're going to go catch a 200 pound bluefin tuna or uh, wahoo on their three quarter day trip you know and it kind of it's nice to be able to bring that experience to them and then tell them like well that's not what you would expect on whatever trip they're going on unless you get into your five and six, seven day trips and stuff like that. And it's really nice. You know, the long range boats really appreciate a guy in the office when someone calls and really understands, Hey, and especially it's been on the boat, you know, what staterooms are nice on which boat or what, how are the crews and what type of attitude are they, uh, do they have on the boat? You know, I don't know how many long range boats, but it's like any boat. Every boat is a different atmosphere. And if you're talking to a customer and they're a very mellow boat or very mellow person, you can maybe, Hey, like the Islander is a great boat to go on. They're very mellow. They're very interactive. They're not hooting and hollering, you know, they're not. So some people really like that. Or if you're like, you're really into like screaming and yeah party. Not, I don't want to say party, partying is the wrong word, but excited and lots of emotion on your shoulder. Then you could like, you know, some of the younger boats, you know, like the Liberty or the Shogun, you know, those guys like to have, like have fun, you know, they're out there hooting and hollering and enjoying themselves just as much as anyone else. But each boat has a different, di- different vibe and you could really steer them to which is going to be their best experience on whatever boat or whatever length of trip it is, you know? Then, when it comes to tackle, you know, when you when you've done it and you've been there and seen it, you can really. Hey, some of these guys come in here and think they they got to spend fifteen thousand dollars on gear, and it's like, nope, you don't have to do that. You could rent it, you can borrow it, or like, hey, talk to the boat; they'll have it. Or you know, you don't need half that stuff that's on that tackle list. This is what they're targeting this time of year. You need some hooks and some blue and chrome jigs and go fishing and have a great time. You don't need to invest a ton of money, you know. So it's really nice when the customer comes in and is like, dude, you saved me like $3,000, you know, and because I was going to go buy all that stuff. It's like, nope, you don't need all that. So it's it's good to have that experience and having someone in the landing or on a boat that can really steer the customer in the right direction.
0: Do you really get new timers expecting to catch a Wahoo on a three-quarter day trip?
2: <laughs> yes, You'd be like because there's people like we get people from all around the world, you know, or yeah, all around the world, and especially all over the United States, Mm -hmm. that they go on YouTube or they've seen a TV show, and you know they they see hey they're on this boat and they don't know anything they they just and that's just they just don't know and we've had people I literally Mm -hmm. had a guy call and like hey do you think they're we're we're going on the Liberty. Two day trip uh, next week. Uh, I know there's a hurricane. In. Am I going to be able to catch a wahoo on this two day trip? It's like no, not no. It's not going to probably happen. Uh, have we have caught wahoo in the past on a short range trip? Yes, one year we did, but you know, uh, no. Realistically, you're going to be fishing dorado, yellowfin, bluefin, that type of stuff. But no wahoo, and they're like, oh man, but like, hey this is your first trip. Maybe you'll enjoy it next year. You're going to do a three-day trip. Then you are going to end up on the Intrepid or whatever boat it may be to go catch your Wahoo, you know,
0: managing expectations. Name of the game. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Katie, let's, uh, let's go back to you here. Tell us a little bit about the Intrepid. And I think it's one of the newest boats, if not the newest boat in the fleet, which was almost 10 years ago or more than 10 years ago, I think.
1: I feel like it was finished around '09. Carl's like a boat. It's excited. probably
2: closer to 12 years, I think, between them and the Independence. But the Independence and the Intrepid is the newest boat in the Long Range fleet or in the San Diego fleet. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's an impressive boat. It's definitely one of the nicest boats in the fleet for sure. But like she can tell you all about. It. <laughs>
1: I was going to say it's like a sport fishing yacht is the way I try to describe it to people. But um, one of the things that impressed me the most when I first saw the boat is just what a great fishing platform it is. I mean, it's so spacious, um, especially like that back stern area. There's It's just so much space. And, you know, we only carry 26 as our max load, so it's very, very comfortable carrying that amount of people in the fishing. But everything is just top notch you know and because it is a newer boat I mean everything's in really great shape when I go on it I'm just always so impressed but yes it is very I've been on yachts and I feel like it is a lot like a a yacht but it's a sport fishing boat but um just comfort class and um you know it's kind of it was built by fishermen too so it's like they they thought of those things that really matter to fishermen too so I think that I see little little things about it that I'm like oh you know they were thinking about fishermen when they were building these little little parts to it. So, yeah. And um I did take a trip on the boat. Um the weather was a little rough for me, uh but I did find that it handles the, the weather really really well. Um it was definitely the the, the the, bi- the biggest weather i've ever been in, in my lifetime but um we managed it and i managed it i got a little seasick but um you know just the food that came out of the galley i was like super impressed and when i could finally eat it was um like five star kind of meals and i'm like gosh i can't believe it. and i was on a day and a half and so even on a short range trip they were serving you know that really like high class five-star meals. And so that was kind of neat to get to experience that.
0: Do they offer like short range or shorter range trip nowadays, or now, you know, every year to where, you know, with this big bluefin around almost year long, where it kind of gives people an opportunity to kind of test almost test drive that boat for longer trips and all that? I'm sure they offer those like in the springtime, right?
1: Yeah. So we had a bunch of, um, you know, extended day and a half, which are actually two day trips and three day trips and they're on our schedule next spring. And then there's a couple three day trips that are interspersed in there in July, August, and September and a hundred percent. That is the best way to try it out and see like, is this long range for me? Is this the boat that I wanna go long range on? And so we get a little bit of a different clientele on those trips. Obviously it's people that, you know, um, are, I would say, more avid fishermen, but more like your three-quarter-day guys that are stepping up to a longer trip. But then what I've seen happen is they do that, and then they realize they're ready for, you know, a longer trip, a seven, eight-day, a ten-day. You know, I kind of had to try that out. too. I remember I went on a three-day before I went on my 13-day just to make sure, could I be on a boat this long? And so I feel like those... Three-day trips are the best way to really try it out. And then, you know, um, see if the boats, like Carl said, like see if the boats are fit for you. See if the crews are fit for you. I just had a trip go out today, and every single, almost every passenger had already been out with us earlier this year. So that was kind of a neat experience for me because, you know, I am new. But um, we have a, a clientele that usually takes – quite a few trips each year. This is their boat, this is their family, and so it's kind of neat to see that. And I think that it's good to go on a shorter trip to kind of find, like Carl said, what is the boat that's a good fit for your fishing style, for, you know, just your level of comfort. You know, we have two person occupancy for all our staterooms and i really like that too because i've been on triple occupancy or you know even quad and or a bunk room and so i have to say like a two-person stateroom is definitely more my style
0: how's the boat been doing this year
1: um it's been great um i'm really impressed with uh the captains and just you know kind of the the fishing that they've done there was one trip where the bluefin bite had kind of shut off and captain bill had this decision and he went up and fished the channel islands with um the guys which was neat for them because that's his old stomping grounds and they went and they were catching white sea bass and some of those guys had never caught a white sea bass um they got into a bunch of fish up there, and then the last part of the trip, they decided, hey, let's just go see if the bluefin will bite, and sure enough, they came home with a bunch of trophy bluefin, um, just epic kind of thing. They just had a nine-day recently where they had over 100 wahoo. They had limits of yellowtail, limits a yellowfin. They had... Anybody that put a rod in the water had a hundred pound, um, bluefin tuna. It was really exciting. And all those guys read books, I'm like, well, I hope it happens again next year, but I don't have my crystal ball out, so I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, it's been neat to see how they can kind of, um, adapt with what the conditions are and, 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 pull trips together.
0: Yeah, that's actually pretty critical. And I've seen more boats do that to where they've kind of adjust for the fishing where, You've got trophy bluefin, you know, out to the west, and then you've got the uh, the yellowtail and the then the dodos down south, and hell, even the sea bass up at the islands and all that. So much opportunity, and with a long range trip or even like a two or three day trip, you've got opportunity for almost everything nowadays.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially on these, I would say three day trips and to five day trips. You know, where kind of Benitas and Guadalupe is not in the picture right now. Some of these guys do have to, like, really switch it up, you know, go fish uh, Yellowfin, Yellowtail, and Dorado down the beach, you know, then make, I mean, the, the areas are in two different areas. you got to make a 100-mile move, you know, and then fish up to the Cortez, Tanner, Catalina, San Clemente uh, islands, you know, for these bluefin, which is nice, you know, so everyone go get some meat on, uh, on the boat, you know, then give everyone a chance to fish a, a big bluefin or get a chance to catch a trophy uh, bluefin, you know. With this bluefin, it's bluefin. You know, it's not always going to bite every single night or every single day. But I think definitely now after this past uh, full moon, we're starting to see that bigger bluefin uh, happen. You know, the Pacific Queen had ninety six bluefin on their last three day trip right after this uh, full moon. You know, up to one hundred and eighty pounds, I think it was. So I, I think we're just getting into this big bluefin tuna uh, season again. But we'll see what happens. There's so much bait around. There's so much yellowfin around. There's Bluefin from Ensenada all the way up to, sounds like San Nick. I just talked to one of my old friends, Jason. He was up by Santa Barbara and San Nick and uh, caught a few bluefin up there, you know, and there's just miles and miles of fish everywhere you go. You can't leave Mission Bay or Point Loma or Long Beach or something and point the boat in the wrong direction. You'll find fish one way or another. It's just a matter of being at the right place at the right time when these bluefin want to bite. But there's Dorado just. I'm just—it's just amazing how much fish is in our local waters right now. It's—it's it's impressive. If you haven't seen the videos, it's just crazy.
1: Didn't they get some
0: dodos <laughs> on the dolphin today or something? I thought I saw. Uh, that. We had,
2: we had 122 uh, Dorado on our extended half day yesterday. Um, the boat oh, left at six thirty in the morning. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, for a half day boat to catch 122 Dorado, you gotta imagine they hooked a minimum. 300 fish or 400 fish to land that i couldn't even imagine the chaos that happened on that boat i mean to go out there and you know how how dorado fishing it's not they're not a fish that ever settles in they're zooming they're jumping they're zigzagging you know they're not the easiest fish to land especially when they're jumping like crazy um it it, but to land 122 dorado on a half day trip is crazy and then on monday and tuesday we made them three quarter day trips and that they're we call them dorado special so we'll see what happens on monday and tuesday with them
0: wow that's pretty unique that i mean i would never think to offer those but i bet i bet you anything jason and the boys are pretty stoked about going dodo fishing right now
2: yeah you know it, it's happy fishing has been weird this year you know um the calico bass has not been consistent. Sand bass has not been consistent here in San Diego, or at least in Point Loma. I know the boys up in, at Seaforth on the new Seaforth and the Sea Wash, they've had great calico bass fishing, but for whatever reason, Point Lomas have just been just hit and hit and miss, you know, uh, Jason's had a little tough time with the, the going on that stuff. So we, we, uh, We, we try to do some offshore trips here lately, you know, when the Liberty is chartered out a lot the next couple, uh, six weeks or so. So we got the dolphin doing some half day. We got him doing some full day trips to fill in for the Liberty. And then Frank's like a couple of these full day trips just had no one on them. And like, he's like, well, let's just cancel it. And he's like, what about an extended half day trip? I'm like, well, let's, hell, let's try to do the Dorado thing. You know I mean? They're, four or five miles off the beach, just calling Dorado special to see what happens. Sold sold out the first trip in five hours and people went nuts for him. And uh, Jason went out there and kicked butt. I, I'm glad Like I was not working on the trip. that I can't even imagine what that was. It <laughs> been just chaotic. I mean, the, the passengers had smiles from ear to ear and had a great time. But if I was, the crew members must have just been shaking their heads.
0: I know. Could you imagine the amount of letter rods on that trip?
2: Uh, you know what? There wasn't that many rental rods I think we had three rods on the boat. So there was a little more experience. Oh, sure. Yeah, that, that that was good, but still. I mean, to get 122... And just so everyone out there... Listen, we were fishing in U.S. waters. So people are hearing 40 people, 122 Dorado. That, uh, that is in U.S. waters. We're not fishing in Mexico. And U.S. waters limits are 10 Dorado versus 2 Dorado in Mexican waters. So people are... Like, oh, we're over limits or whatever. I just want to throw that out there. We were fishing in California waters or U.S. waters and not Mexican waters.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, my goodness. I feel like we're kind of in the good old days of fishing right now, just with everything going on. And we have been over the last, gosh, it's got to be close to a decade now with all this fishing going on. and, And with the quality and quantity of fish moving up the line, it's just absolutely crazy.
2: It kind of reminds me of 97, 98, 99, those El Nino years. That's what it feels like, you know. Uh, I, I wish this yellowfin would really get with it, you know. I mean, I've talked to some of the guys on the boats, and they are just they see miles and miles of yellowfin, but they just, they've just they settled in with this bluefin, and they act like a bluefin now.
1: And, uh, yeah.
2: and it's so frustrating, you know. Like, I mean, this yellowfin should just be, go out there, find a kale patty, weed through some of the skipjack, and Pin on a dead sardine and catch a yellowfin, you know, and it's just not like that quite yet. If this stuff gets going, it's going to be really, really fun for everyone. And everyone's going to have like you won't be able to find a spot on a boat.
0: Oh my gosh, this is this is getting exciting, and we're not even through August yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think the best of the year is still to come. You know, with this bluefin and this yellowfin, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, when that yellowfin starts opening up, that it's going to be all hands on deck. It's going to be awesome. Um, Carl, a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago, but I know we had worked a couple of shows together, the Fred Hall shows and all that. And you had actually a great rundown of all the different trips that, uh, at least long range trips that, that, uh, fishermen's offers on their boats and all that. Do you mind breaking it down trip by trip? The difference between say a three day and a six day and six day to 10 day. and, and yeah, down yeah. Down the line? yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, definitely. So if you're on a, I'd say right now, this year, just because how things have uh, shaped up with Guadalupe, you know, uh, a three to five day trip is going to really concentrate on offshore fishing, you know, for yellowfin and bluefin and yellowtail, you know, you might on your five and six days end up going down to like San Pablo Bay or San Martín, some of them down there trying to catch some better quality uh, yellowtail. Um, so you can kind of expect that to happen, you know, when with, without Cedros and Benitas and Guadalupe, that, that five-day trip kind of is going to be targeting a lot more offshore fishing. When you get in here, this is my favorite type of fishing. That's why I kind of chose an eight-day this year. Um, that six- to eight-day, nine-day trips – is going to be a ton of variety fishing you, you this is when you have to bring every type of tackle box everything you have in your tackle box calico bass gear wahoo gear yellowtail gear bluefin gear everything you own is this is the type of in the variety of fishing is just so exciting you could go to Laos rocks you go to the Ridge you go to San Pablo you could go fish the 13 or the 23 on the Ridge and you could be fishing everything under the sun, you know, literally on an eight day trip, you could be fishing seven out of those eight days and have a great time or a nine day trip, you know, where you're just fishing from sun up to sundown. Then on the end of the trip, when you're on your way home, you're going to go fish that bluefin going to the Laos rocks is if you've never been there, I recommend you got to get there on one of these trips and go, go check that place out. It looks like a three fingers sticking out of the water and there's like, why are these, Three little rocks standing out of the water, a hundred feet out of the air, and stuff. And there's a chance for a great wahoo fishing. It's really nice to see some yellowfin tuna fishing back there. It's been probably 15 years when we've had any consistent yellowfin tuna fishing out there. Uh, the ridge has been just great yellowtail fishing down there. You know, you go to the Laos Bank, which I don't. It's about 10-12 miles uh, uh, west of the Laos Rocks, and go catch some potential. Yellowtail up to 60 or 70 or 80 pounds, you know, it's not doesn't happen very often, but there's a lot of 40 and 50 pounds yellowtail out there Then when you kind of get into your 12 day trips Thanksgiving time all the way through March is when these long-range boats uh, Like the intrepid the Royal Polaris the XL all these different boats Will start targeting the lower banks off mag bay where they will start fishing hurricane Bank. Uh, some of the long range boats will go venture off to maybe, uh, down to Puerto Vallarta, you know, depending if they're on a 15 or 16 day trip looking for giant yellowfin tuna, you know, and that, that's their main species. Subspecies would be Wahoo, you know, where they're going to looking for these two to 300, 400 pound yellowfin tuna, you know, on a 12 to 15 day trip, you're going to get six or seven days of fishing, you know, wherever you're going, is going to be a three day minimal travel day down there and three days back. I love the guys that offer fly home trips. Uh, a lot of boats do offer where they drop you off in Cabo. Then you fly home then you meet the boat three days later in San Diego. I think that's the only real way to do it. A long range trip these days, that weather coming home in January and February is not very fun, but some of the boats do offer that. Some guys love to stay on the boat. Not sure why, but that's their preference. Um, but, uh, that, that's kind of a quick breakdown, you know, uh, the Rage in Aleos rocks this year have been uh, just on fire all year long, Whether it's a wahoo or Yellowfin or Yellowtail. Some of the guys had great grouper fishing on uh, uh, different type of groupers and had fish up to like 40, 60 pounds on the dropper loop and stuff like that. But that's kind of a quick breakdown on all that type of stuff.
0: Wow. It sounds all exciting. And, you know, I- I've actually never done long range before. I hope to do it fairly Fairly soon in the near future, but um, you know, for for those of us that are just dabbling in and all that, I've all I've often heard that you should work your way up and not go straight to a fourteen day or a fifteen day, rather than just take it nice and slow and start with a three day or a six day. Or what. is there any merit to that?
2: Absolutely, just like what Katie was saying. Uh, guys need to. There, I've known guys that have gone three-day trips and then they gone on a six-day trip and that is their like that's just what Their mental capacity like that's what they can handle a six or seven-day trip uh Some guy like me I could working on boats. I've been on boats for 34 days straight, you know So no not a big deal to me Definitely never I don't ever recommend a guy going from a a day and a half or a three-day trip and jumping right into a 13-day trip That's a totally different game on that uh level
1: but i I jumped from a three-day trip to a 13-day trip so i did make the jump i actually had only been on a day and a half was the longest trip i'd been on and then i was booked on 13 day and i thought maybe i should go on a little bit longer trip and so that was the whole reason why i went on the three day to see like I don't know why, because it's only sleeping on the boat one more day than I already had. But I went on a three-day, and then I did jump to a 13-day, and I loved it. There was a little bit of anxiousness, you know, when the boat's pulling away from the dock, and you think, like, I'm not going to touch land for, you know, 13 days. But I loved it. I would go on another long trip again. Um, you know, I think Carl's right. Like, the 10 days, probably the perfect length, because you get – a really good mixed bag of fishing um but i would i would go on another long trip just to maybe have the chance to get a cow like that that was i mean i enjoyed it but i i wouldn't necessarily recommend it for everybody i tend to um
2: but you've been fishing for a long time and you know how it is being on a boat i mean you, it's not like a cruise ship where you're you got 1500 feet by 100 feet wide boat to like mm-hmm move around you're on a a 95 to 124 foot boat that's what the average length of a long-range boat is and you are stuck on a boat with 20 to 34 other guys that you are that those are your brothers for the next two to three or two and a half weeks you know so i always tell people to make small increment jumps you know if you go from i'm not saying if you do an eight day and you jump into a 15 day that's probably fine you understand the concept of that but to going from a three day to a ten or twelve day, that is a pretty big jump for most people. And sometimes, me working all long range boats, I've seen people where they're like, "I need to get this, get off this boat after after eight days." It's like, oh, you're stuck on here for three or four more days before we see land. So, suck it up, Buttercup.
1: <laughs> I think it too. Like, I went with someone that was a very experienced long range fisherman, and I would say that that was a big help like having someone that can navigate you through it although if you were on a boat like the crew would help you too like that's not a big deal and one thing that I've noticed with our trips is it's almost like an adult summer camp for men and these guys go on the same trip year after year after year and it's almost like Carl said like You know, you're building these bonds with these people that you're on the boat with. But now they do it each year, and I see them when they come down the dock, and it's like they're saying hi and stuff. And they probably haven't seen each other in the year, but there's this great camaraderie, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the longer trips, because you are spending all that time together. You're eating three meals a day together, and you're really, you know, besides the fishing, you're really getting to know each other. And so I think it's a neat thing, and it's that's the only thing I can liken it to is like summer camp. Then they come back again and they see all their buddies again, and. So I think it's a neat thing. And even if you were a new person going into that environment, I feel like they're so welcoming. I think they love new people. I think they love showing them their robes and kind of taking them under their wing and then including them in their, their group. I think it's a really neat environment, but yeah, maybe not everybody should make the jump, but I'm glad. I, I mean, that experience I had on that long range trip, which Chris, I can't wait for you to go on one. Um, It had
2: me hooked. Like I love it. Yeah. Uh, 10, I'd say 10 years ago when you're on a long range boat, there was the core group of people. And a lot of time people didn't like new people, but as time has gone on, they love seeing new people and introducing uh, new people to the group. You know, people come and go, you know, for whatever reason, life happens. Uh, there's always a core, it seems like every group, ha- like every trip has a core group of guys, you know, it might be four or five guys to maybe 12 guys on a trip, you know, but now it's kind of, it's, it's cool to kind of see how people have changed their attitudes and like seeing new people and, uh, on different trips, you know, you learn a lot, you know, every time I go on a new trip or on a trip, I'm always trying to learn something new. I, I, I wish I could say I've seen it all and done it all, but that's just not the case, you know? there's some really good fishermen out there that you learn and you can just watch and how they pull on a fish or how they hook a bait or what they're doing, you know, uh, kind of like what Matt and, um, Gavin have done, you know, with the new sinker rig, you know, the drop shot rig. you're always learning and you're always evolving your fishing experience and, uh, becoming a better fisherman. One thing I think a lot of people miss out on is regardless of what they do, like they don't take the time, To stop and watch what other people are doing and learning to learn something, you know, to go up on the upper deck and watch for even 15, 20 minutes on what people are doing. You can learn a lot in that 15 to 20 minutes each day. Oh, that guy's a hot stick. What is he doing? And watch him and stop and ask him. You know, when you're on a short range trip, a lot of people don't ask each other, hey, what are you doing different than I'm doing? Uh, And to get bit, you know. I was on a seven day on the RP a few years ago and I couldn't catch a fish to save my life. You know, uh, I was with the boys from the tackle shop with Rick and Brandon and man, I couldn't, the first day and a half, I couldn't catch anything. You know, I was fishing. And I thought I was doing everything different than like, Oh, you know what? they they colored their specter the first like 10 feet or 15 feet of their specter to then to a the short floor part. As soon as I did that, that was a game changer. You know, that's something I learned, you know? uh so people need to uh, on these trips just take a couple minutes out of their day or half hour and see what's going on and try to learn something new on every trip
0: that's such a great point where you kind of have to 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 step back and just watch um you know other people fish the hot stick because usually there's there's that one guy he's catching the majority of the fish but the majority of that trip and typically um, you know, typically they're more than happy to share their secret or not really a secret, but share their intel and all that. And that's such a great thing, especially on with charter fishing and long range fishing and all that, where you really are, you know, Katie, you're absolutely right, where you have these groups that go on the same trip every year with the same core of, core group of guys and all that with a couple new uh, faces mixed in. It's really special. The whole charter fishing game, it, it's super special.
1: Yeah, I think it's been really neat for me, too, just being, you know, new to the operation with the Intrepid and just how welcoming all those people have been, right? Because they've had the same kind of routine and the same thing. And I get that change can be a good thing sometimes, but it's also hard on people. And so I try to, you know, be sensitive to that. Um, You know, I made changes to the office, you know, I... I, um, Check in. I mean, the only thing I changed about check in is I start a little earlier because I like to get everybody in there, but you know, the things that they're used to. But everyone's been super welcoming, super excited. And one of the things that I've always loved about just being down at the docks and just that whole environment is like the excitement is always pal- palatable. You know, when people are, uh, you know, think about it when you're getting ready for a trip, you spend days, sometimes weeks getting all your stuff together. And, you know, guys are so excited. You know, they didn't really sleep the night before they're getting down there early lining up and it's just so exciting and it's like palatable and the energy is so good. And then they go out fishing and they come back and they're pulling the fish up and they're laying them all out and they're taking pictures and just that energy is super exciting too. And, um, it's just a neat environment. And, you know, anybody that's new, it's like they don't have to be intimidated by it because it is, it's all very streamlined. There's always people to hand hold you through the process and, um, you know, be excited for you. I know we had a couple of trips recently where there was those new people and kind of the old timers were more excited to see them land a fish that they'd never landed before than they were for themselves. And so that I feel like that's the norm in, in in all of it is that most people just have a love for fishing and the sport and what it does. And, you know, there's a lot of people like me and Carl, they started when they were young kids and it's like that first time it just ignites something in you. And so it's exciting to see um, it passed along.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite things to do, especially I'll kind of just mention a trip that I, I was on the Pacific queen. Uh, this was a few years ago. And uh, I caught my limit of bluefin pretty fast in, uh, there was five or six guys that have never been on the boat and I'm fishing the Daiwa SK jig, that was like the hot jig back here or whatever, and I must have hooked and handed seven or eight fish to these guys that have never seen the ocean and landed these six, 60, they were all of them were about 60 pounds, and I hooked one, and uh, like this older gentleman was on the boat on the bow, and I was like, hey, have you caught one? No, I haven't, and just nothing. I just, you could tell he was frustrated. So I hand him this bit my rod and reel. And, uh, uh, it was a Talica 20 and I think it was a Calstar 770 XH. You know, I thought it was just another 60, 70 pound bluefin. That's what we were catching. And, uh, drew card was running the boat and I had hooked in hand, one other fish. I landed a fish and I, I kind of come up to see how he's doing. It's like, Oh, he should have this fish in by now. And, he got up and Drew's like, "I need another gaff. I need another gaff." And I was like, "What? Huh? Like, why do you need another gaff?" And like mm-hmm. the next thing, we I help him gaff this fish. And uh, maybe Billy was on the boat also. And like three gaffs. Like, well, how big is this fish? You know, pulled this thing over, hundred and eighty pounds or hundred and ninety pound bluefin. You know, and this guy, the first bluefin he's ever caught was hundred and seventy pound, hundred and eighty pound bluefin. You know, the guy had a smile from his from ear to ear, just couldn't believe like what what just happened. You know. And Maybe that's, how, guy, Carl. <laughs> so, you know, that like, that was part of the coolest thing to see, um, hooking and hanging fish and trying, seeing that smile on their fish, their face to do that, you know, um, or seeing, uh, an eight year old catch his first calico bass or yellowtail, you know, one of the funnest things I ever seen when I was working with my brother on the mountain, he, we hooked fish on the surface iron, you Hand this nine or ten year old kid with a ten foot rod, and he's turning the handle, and you're helping him hold the rod. And next thing you know, he's got a fifteen pound yellowtail. I remember that. That's how I got hooked surface iron fishing. You know, and you know you made a fisherman for life when you get them that young and they catch their first yellowtail on a surface iron. You know they're going to be coming back out for the next sixty years. So that that's the most exciting part when you're fishing. You know, when you help other people out and land their first fish or their personal best. You know.
0: That's kind of what it's all about in the end. We're you're, we're getting new people, young people, all that in the sport we love. It, it it's it's great. It's a great thing when that happens on boats, and that's happening almost every single day on all the boats too.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, like the half day boats and the three quarter day boats are are like the most important boats in in the fleet, you know. There, there is no long-range fishing. There is no full-day or, or multi-day fishing without the half-day and three-quarter-day fishing. It, it, regardless if it's a, uh, the Dolphin or the New Seaforth or the boats up out of Long Beach, like the Sun Fun or the Pride or, you know, those other boats up north, I don't know them all. But that's where all these kids start, you know. That's where they get their itch to go fishing and their mom and dad take them fishing or sees the ocean the first time, you know. And that's our our new blood right there. And that's, it's so important to get kids on these boats and start at a young age and get them fishing.
0: That's awesome, man. So a question for you, since you brought up three quarter day and the Liberty and all that, I know just, it was only like maybe a handful of years ago, maybe, maybe even a little longer than that, that the Liberty came down to Fisherman's Landing and all that. I think bringing that boat down where it's a boat, a three-quarter day boat with bunks and with the size, I think it's 85. um, That was almost kind of like a game changer for three-quarter day fishing. Um, Do you have any, any, uh, any intel into what went behind that decision or was that kind of just how it worked out?
2: Uh, It was the thing we were missing at Fisherman's Landing. You know, Uh, we had half day. We have my personal opinion, some of the best, we, we have the best full day or overnight, day and a half, three-day boats that most of any of the other landings, we that's that's our just bread and butter right there, and we didn't have a three-quarter day or a full-day boat, you know? Uh, Frank and talked to Taro, and they came up with a partnership with Frank, Tim, Doug, and Taro, and they brought the boat in. Uh, they remodeled the whole boat, the bunk room, the galley, and everything like that, oh, it's brought crazy. in standards, and... Fisherman's Landing didn't have that. Now we have that. We have one of the best uh, full-day boats out on the water, you know. Uh, you've seen other boats kind of try to do the same thing. I, they've had some success, you know. Uh, have they had the same success as the Liberty? I don't think so, but I'm the um, that's my just bias, you know. I think between the Liberty and the San Diego, those are your two top full-day boats on the West Coast, you know. And uh, I think Tara would give Booger, all the credit in the world. You know, he learned uh, from some of the best between him and uh, working on the American Angler with uh, yeah. Sam and Brian on the Angler, and then going over on the San Diego and learning the local waters. I think that's why the Liberty's been so successful from learning some of from the best of the guys there. And Taro's done a great job on uh, running the Liberty. And with the they have a great partnership. And that's why we're one of the best uh, full day boats out on the West Coast
0: yeah absolutely when it comes to taro and nebel and gavin and um matt on the san diego and all that i feel like we're you know those are kind of the guys that are um taking over and all that i feel like we're kind of in good hands with all those guys those guys are just fishier than hell
2: yeah absolutely and i know that the intrepid is not a fisherman's name but i've seen sam the captain of the Intrepid. uh grow up. I mean, I worked with him a little on and off when Bill had the, on the Pacific Queen when he was a pinhead and you know, he, he kind of just does his thing. Uh, there's Ian on the Pegasus, you know, he's just got his license. There's a lot of good talent coming up the line here. Uh, and we're in real, the, the, the sport fishing fleet is, it's going to be exciting to watch, to see what happens, what these young guys do in the next 10 years uh, between uh Enieble and Taro and Sam and Ian and some of these young kids that are running boats these days, you know, it, it's gonna, I think we're in for a treat, you know, with just kind of, I kind of compare it to computers, you know, the technology is changing consistent. Everything's getting better. Rods are getting better. Reels are getting better. It was unheard of to catch a 400-pound yellowfin. Now there's been three over 400 in the last few years. You know, the XL caught a 445, the Vagabond 405. Uh, I think the Intrepid couple years had one that was almost 400 I think 394.
1: pounds, 394.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 going to be exciting to see how things shape out in the next 10 years. You know, with these younger kids and they and they have the drive, they have the right, their hearts in the right place. You know. I tell people like, if you're going to get in this business, you're never going to become rich. You're never going to become famous. You're going to do it because you love it. And hopefully you make enough money to support your family. And if your heart's in the right place and you have the drive, the money is out there and the opportunities out there. You just got to work your butt off. And these, these young kids that are doing it, they're doing it right.
0: So Katie, I'm getting super stoked, super excited to go fishing as we all are typically. What goes into, I mean, obviously the gear is a whole nother level and a whole nother conversation, but as far as being prepared to go on a long range trip on the Intrepid, what are some tips that you can give to as to how anglers going on on the trips on the Intrepid, how can they prepare at home? Like what do they need to bring? And there's obviously differences between a long range trip and Say a two-day trip or a shorter trip, where you know food being one of them. But any tips that you can offer for for anglers?
1: I don't know. I was teasing the guys that went out on the five-day today that looked like they packed for a long-range trip because they're all really experienced fishermen. So, I mean, one of the things that I was joking around with them today, though, is like you're going on a boat and you're going away from home. So, if there is something that you think you're going to want, like go ahead and bring it because there's no like 7-Eleven to run to or, you know, CVS. And so, you know, always just like pack your medications and make a list of them. Um, you know, I had a guy called today. He had a ton of questions. I don't mind answering all those questions because especially if it's your first time experience, you should ask all those questions. But then too, like Carl just did a video, um, a tackle tip Tuesday for the searcher, just talking about, you know, how you get down and load for your trip and that sort of thing. And that's super important. Like when you bring your stuff down, there is an actual like plan in place and so they have designated carts for the guys to bring their stuff from their car and then line them up and then those guys that work down on the docks they, they're red shirts they are they streamline the process for everybody they make everything run so smoothly i watched them today they loaded our boat then they loaded the vagabond then they went and loaded the excel all in like i swear it was like 20 minutes they just had they have it so dialed in you know i do think um you know, packing your stuff in a way that's easy because you're offloading it onto the cart and onto the boat, you know, so to kind of get it compact, I guess, or, you know, whatever, but I I never, I mean, I do tease them, but it's like, don't leave stuff at home if you think you're going to want it, you know, bring your different rods. And then I think when Carl and I went, I thought it was great that he had us set up with like two different rods in each kind of weight class. And I think that's nice because when you're in a wide open bite, you don't necessarily want to retie. So you know, bring those extra rods, but everything's pretty streamlined. I just, you know, call the office and ask any questions you have. And the big thing right now is obviously fish processing, make a reservation for your fish processing. And if you haven't yet, it might be too late, but I always tell people, as soon as you book a long range reservation, your next phone call should be booking your fish processing reservation. And people have really learned I guess, over the last 14 years or so, that they're there at the docks and they don't realize that having a reservation directly with them is actually important. We do call from the boats and kind of let them know what the count is or, you know, how many clients are going with which company, but you do want to actually reserve directly with them, and that's been – they've had capacity issues lately, and I know that's come up, but that's, like, one of my big tips that I always put in my – letter to you know departure info is don't forget your towel that's a big one too right carl
2: don't forget a towel (laughs) this is one of my things if you're on a long range boat buy a brand new box or a bag of socks when you wake up every morning put a brand new pair of socks on with your boots keep number one key right there bring your favorite pillow uh like she said your medications and all that stuff if you have your favorite blanket or a sleeping bag, whatever you're on, you're on a boat. So you might as well be comfortable. There's nothing worse being on a boat for a few days or a week or two weeks and not having, uh, and not being comfortable in your bunk, you know, uh, bring your headphones, bring some earplugs, you know, you never know who you're going to get stuck with if he's a, if they snore or not. So you want some earplugs or i some good earphones so you can fall asleep to listen to your music or whatever. Um, and a good book, you know, stuff that you can be comfortable with and kill some ta- time. On some of these long-range trips, you're, you are, there is three days of travel time, you know. So you do have to kill some hours in the day, you know, um, doing whatever you can do, you know. So I've seen people bring, like, uh, exercise bands to do some exercise and stuff. So those are a few things that I always tell people, like, hey, you know, it, exercise bands fit in a bag, no problem. They don't take up much room or something like that. Uh, bring a separate bag for your dirty laundry. You don't want to mix your clean laundry with your dirty laundry because day eight, your clean laundry is not so clean anymore if if you've had good fishing, you know. So those are a few tips to make sure when you're going on a longer trip to make sure you bring that. Bring two towels, not one towel, bring two towels. Because if you're in the shower, you go hang up your uh, wet towel in a bunk in a room. Normally those rooms are pretty cold, so they don't dry very fast. So you have a dry towel the next night. So on your long trips, bring two towels,
1: not one towel. I just remembered I brought laundry soap on my my trip and I washed some of my clothes and like hung them up. Because so. you are on the boat for a long time and you, know, you can't really bring 13 days worth of clothes. So I did like a sink wash. <laughs> oh, uh,
2: I, I always yeah. bring new socks, new underwear. When I'm done, I just throw them over. <laughs> so when you're going home, you have less clothes than you came with. It's just easier that way. It's just like you've been... If you're fishing a hurricane bank or a lake, it's rocks, and it's August or it's September, it's 80, 90 degrees in the humidity, and you've been sweating all day. It's like the last thing you want to do is deal with that when you get home. Just throw it away, be done with it.
0: Okay, I have to ask Carl, how do you kill three days worth of time on a on a boat?
2: <laughs> uh, I watch lots of movies. I'm a movie guy. I will. The nice thing about all these long range boats, they have direct TV. The new Wi-Fi that is coming out this year, some of the boats already have it. It's great, you know. um, Download some movies onto your phone or they have direct TV. You can watch that. Obviously, we're getting into football season. You know, you can watch football or baseball on your way in or out to the fishing grounds, you know. So I just watch lots of movies. That's how I like to enjoy my time. Even when I'm at home, I like watching TV and uh, movies to unwind. So that's how I do it. But guys will, like, One problem is if you're like me, I've worked in the tackle business. Everyone knows who I am. I sit down and I start rigging Wahoo gear or leader. That's a really fast way to kill a lot of time because as soon as you break out your your cramps and your wire and your heavy hooks and stuff, like you're fishing big tuna, as soon as it's one guy or two guys, three, and that next thing you got six guys at a table and you got all your crimping stuff out and you're rigging stuff up for the next day or two days from fishing and stuff like that uh there's a lot of seminars on the boat you know if you're if you're on the boat if you're wahoo fishing they'll pull everyone inside hey this is what we're going to be wahoo fishing this is what you should expect this is what you want to do uh how you should rig your jigs what wire you should be using there's lots of ways to kill time um if you're going on a big tuna trip they'll tell you hey we're going to be fishing big skipjack so you want a big twelve o hook? We're gonna bridle it. They'll get you all rigged up with that type of stuff. Or you know what? They're on sardines. We're fishing a four or five o super mutu, eighty pound or hundred pound fluorocarbon stealth rig. You know that's what you need to get bit. Um, so there's a lot of downtime, but there's, the deckhands can make it very enjoyable. And the guys on the boat, there's a lot of joking around and stuff like that. But I like to go down and uh, kind of unwind and watch a couple movies at a time.
1: I think on the way down, because you're getting your gear ready, and like Carl said, they're doing seminars, and there's a whole thing. Like, the way down, I feel like there's a lot more activity and things to do, but once you start to head home, you've broken down your gear, everything's put away. I know... um, before i i don't even know if you remember this before i left on my 13 day he bought me uh, like the entire series of duck dynasty <laughs> and so i watched that for like literally 3 days and i took a ton of naps because the other thing too is like the days when you're fishing we were out on deck from like 4:30 in the morning until the sun went down so that's like 15 hour days i think and by the 4th day at fishing My feet hurt like I had just run a marathon and I ran two marathons. I know what it feels like. My feet hurt. I was tired. I was exhausted. And the nice thing about taking three days to come back home is that I rested. I took a ton of naps. Like it was time for breakfast, went and watched a couple shows, took a nap got up for lunch, went and took another nap, got up for snack, watched a couple more shows. And so I came back feeling rested, which I think is neat because one of the things about these short range trips and the Bluefin, it's like zombie patrol. These guys go out for two or three days and they come back exhausted. And I mean, that is your vacation, but you're literally staying up all night, but then you don't really want to sleep during the day in case there's a day bite, you know, And so they come back and they just, they have have been awake for 36 hours straight with like little three hour, you know, sleeps in between. So I think there is a benefit to some of that travel time because you at least come back rested and kind of recovered from the fishing. If you fish like me, I mean, I think there's most people, it's like, I'm out there. I'm like, I'm away from my family. I just invested in this. Like I'm, I'm going for it. And So I'll be out there on deck anytime there's an opportunity to fish. And That's what I see most people be like. And on the shorter trips, I think they just come back
2: <laughs> not re- <laughs> recovered. No, I mean the, the, the last two years with this bluefin fishing at night, I mean, I don't, I don't think the general public understands what these guys go through. I mean, literally some of these guys are up 30 hours a day and uh, the, the fleet in general, I think it's a smart move. I know that the passengers haven't liked it all that much, but it's becoming a safety thing where guys are like, okay, we're done fishing at midnight. You know, we're, we're not going to fish till three or four o'clock in the morning. Our bodies can't do this. We we have four months of fishing. I, I Guys want to fish till three or four o'clock in the morning, but it's just like we can't. And these guys have worked so hard and there's not enough of us to go around.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that that's definitely a good point because I mean, I know Gosh, it must have been like maybe May or June when basically it was nothing but a night bite. And I remember seeing you know these boats on a day and a half trip, just basically making quick work of it with bluefin and coming coming in almost the next morning. It, it uh, seems crazy. Yep,
2: yeah. um, it, it, it is crazy with this bluefin and what it's done and how it's changed the game. You know, I, I grew up back in the Albacore days, and I'd love to see some of that stuff to come back someday. But like, I mean, you used to need uh, a pack of number two hooks, some 20, 25 pound tests. And like we, co- we have cold hangers, but back in the day we had, a uh, uh, crocodiles or what were they? Uh, they're like the old version of a mega bait type of deal. Um, oh and yeah, mega baits. That's what I was thinking of, you know, th- that was, that's all you needed. If it didn't fit in your pocket, you didn't need it. You didn't need, a million pounds of jigs, you know. Guys are fishing three hundred to five hundred gram flat falls, You know, it is just nuts what these guys are like. What people bring now It's like, man, it was kind of nice when you all you needed was a pack of hooks and uh, some twenty-five pound test, you know, and, and or a Colt Sniper or whatever. That's that's what you needed. You didn't you didn't need all this other stuff, you know. And it's gonna be I when this Albacore shows back up, whenever it does, and this Anchovy shows back up. People are going to be just like, "What what do I do with an anchovy? I I mean, (laughs) what what do I do with this? You you got to learn how to fly line it. You know, it's not a a seven inch sardine. You know, I mean, we have way better tackle we than we used to have."
0: I was going to say, "Cue the spinning gear,"
2: (laughs) or a a a Shimano Trinidad twelve or fourteen or some of these new bass reels that are out. You know, I mean, that some most of this stuff will catch an albacore no problem. You know. But it, it's going to be fun to watch when that happens. You know, I, I think we're living in some of the best fishing we've had. Don't get me wrong. I love this bluefin tuna fishing. I hope it doesn't go away anytime soon. Uh, it's really keeping the sport fishing alive. It's drawing in a lot of new customers. It's really exciting to watch. Um, but it'll be fun when some of this stuff kind of goes back to the way it was. And it might be next year. It might be another 10 years. But someday it will go back and it'll be fun to watch.
0: So on that note how is it like in, in your opinion, Carl, we'll go with you first in your opinion, what do you see the outlook or what's your outlook for the whole industry as a whole? Um, I know fishing has been far more popular in the last couple years than it has been in the, in the previous 10, but what's your outlook for the future for the, for fishing? Uh,
2: I think personally, in my honest opinion, I think it's going to be good for the next few years. Uh, Unless something really changed, you know, there's tons of bait in the water. Uh, We're kind of, we're not, we're not in a El Nino year. I know some guys have talked about La Nina where a little cooler water happens, but that bluefin really likes it. You know, we get that anchovy, what they're all feeding on right now. I think this bluefin, I don't, I personally don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Uh, uh, I hope albacore come back in the early uh, months. You know, we have June and July where it's kind of slower fishing. I'd hope that stuff pops back up. But I think, uh, the out the next three or four years, you know, unless something crazy happens with the economy where it really goes bad or something like that, or fuel gets way too high, but I I think we're in, we're set up for the next probably three to five years. We're looking at good fishing, you know, um, and I think we got a lot of young blood in the, the pool here. You know, we're getting new customers. Uh, it's funny, Doug and I were talking about this not that long ago compared to what the pandemic has happened. The pandemic was great for us. I mean, everything was closed and fishing kind of flew underneath the radar. And we were the only thing you could do in San Diego. I mean, people are coming out of the woodworks to get on a boat just because they were tired of being in the house and we got so many new customers from that, you know, it really exploded. I think our customer base has shrunk a little the last year and a half or two years from that because so many things are opened back up, which is great news for everything. Um, but our, but I think we're in really good shape for the next uh, three to five years, you know.
0: For sure. Katie, what about you?
1: Um, I mean... It's interesting, I when I came into the office in April, the entire season was sold out. I have had, you know, cancellations and things like that, so there's a few openings here and there, but my season for next year is almost completely booked out, too. I mean, like, today this guy called, and he's like, he booked his spot. He's like, I think it was the last one I left. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're selling out, so I don't see it slowing down. I don't see a difference, and like I said, there's there's people that just come, this is their annual vacation that they take. And so, and I think that's, um, you know, how they choose to spend their time and I think it's great and I don't think it's changing. I see it just getting better. And, and, you know, I'm like Carl, like I'd love to see the albacore back just because of nostalgia and how much fun I used to have, you know, going on overnight trips and catching albacore. Um, um, but I'll take nine months of bluefin that's, I mean, that's that's like bread and butter. So, and it's exciting. And, you know, even those early spring trips, we put them online and they're almost all sold out and, you know, it is kind of hit or miss, but I think it's worth it to go take a shot to see if you can get a trophy bluefin tuna. I mean, the, the fact that we have this fishery here and the opportunity for people to do that, when I try to explain to people, our sport fishing here. It's, it's the only place in the world that you can go do this. And so it's neat, you know, that we have such opportunity here and, and, and so many boats and opportunities. But I think it's hard to get on all the boats. I don't think it's an anomaly that we're sold out. So I'm not worried about it slowing down anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I was just talking to, I had a meeting with Frank and Tim, and we we're talking about what trade shows to do this year. And I, I wanted to go try to do Texas and New York and everything like that uh, to expand just West coast fishing in general, you know, because we will come to a time. I mean, I've seen it twice now in my career where fishing is slow and it's hard to like, there's so much other things to do these days. We need to grow our uh, base from other places in the United States or in the world or whatever. And, they're like, why? I mean, we're booked up for next year. I mean, long range fishing is great. You know, we're—I I don't know how many charters we've taken for the short range boats for 2023. Uh, the Pacific Queen and the Supreme—they put out some schedules for next year already. You know, their short range trips and they're sold out. These boats are getting uh, their schedule up sooner and sooner every year, and it's just people are booking. So, if you want to go fishing on a long range boat, regardless of what it is, you got to get on it now.
0: I was just gonna say, Katie. Can we even get on the boat if we really wanted to right now, either this year or even next year?
1: I do. I have some spots that opened up. I have to look really quick next year. There is some trips in the early season that still have some open spots. Um, but I have a couple, like I have a eight day that no, a 10 day that has three spots. I have an eight day that has one spot. So really like if people were listening and like, you know what? I really want to try this. I'm ready. You, you could squeak in, which is, is really an anomaly. And then I have, um, I have some open trips in the spring, and then a couple sporadic spots there um, in June and July. So th- those the June and July get into the longer trips, and so um, but yeah, there's opportunities to book it now. But I wouldn't wait because it's every day I'm like, oh, someone took that trip. Oh, someone took that trip. So um, I had to put my name in there. So I, because I want, I don't want it to sell out. So I do have my name on one of those trips next year, just so I can get out too.
0: Nice, nice. And Carl, what's the prognosis over at Fisherman's
2: Man? It, it I mean, it. We're, like people are nuts. I mean, I thought it would slow down. Uh, uh, slow down. You know, with their their money, but they're just throwing money at us left and right, which is a good thing. You know, I, I'm one of those people. You make your money now, don't wait. Uh. We're taking so many charters for 2023. The boats are filling up so fast. Um, Like one thing, if people are looking for a good day and a half to three-day boat, um, we just put a whole bunch of trips up for the Islander because they can't do their shark diving trips this year because Guadalupe got closed and they're not allowed to go down there this year. But the Islander put some trips up. The Fortune put some trips up. The Pacific Dawn put some trips up for October, and November, targeting that big bluefin. So we, we got some new uh, trips available because uh, the Pacific Dawn's not going to go back up north for till after the first of the year. You know when the sea bass starts happening up there or whatever. The Islander added a whole bunch of new trips. <clears throat> Jeff on the Fortune, uh, he just added some trips up in October and November for bluefin.
0: Wow, that's so cool. I mean, just seeing almost all the boats or every single boat in the whole fleet just thriving and being booked up. I mean, that's a great thing for everyone. It's cool.
2: Yeah, I would say if guys want to book trips, you know, or charters for next year, you have to get on it now. I mean, I, I it's amazing how many people I call and like, hey, I want to book this boat for next year. And I'm like, well, they're, most of all the boats have a first right of refusal at the trip goes out October 1st. We have to wait till that boat trip gets back yeah. to see if they want to rebook and stuff. So, But guys, I mean, there's already people that want to take your chart. If you have a charter for this year and you don't want to rebook it for next year for whatever reason, there's already three guys willing to take that charter spot.
0: That's so true because I'm trying to plan charters for next year already and we're not even in September right now. And I, it's hit or miss right now, just different dates and all that. It's just really, really tough. And it, like I said, it's good. It's great.
2: Yeah. It's great for the business. Uh, and some of these guys are really taking advantage of it, you know, and I, and I tell people all the time, don't leave, uh, how to say it nicely? Leave money on the table, you know, just get out there, book your trips right now, if life changes and, like, someone's getting married, a daughter's getting, son's getting married, you know, or family vacation, it's, most of these top trips, well, you have a, we're giving everyone to February 1st to, like, okay, lock this trip in, you know, you, we got you in pencil, but come February 1st, you got to guarantee you want to do this and uh, put it down a deposit for it, but you have some time to figure it out, you know. February 1st, if you don't want to do it, then we have three or four people willing to take those spots. So I, I always tell people, you know, figure out what works best for you. Call whatever your favorite landing is, regardless of a C4 with h H&M, and Point Loma, Fisherman's, or whatever your favorite long-range boat is. Figure it, try to get it figured out now, because if you wait, man, it's uh, March 1st, you know, the shows are coming around. I want to get on a boat. It's not going to happen. It's going to be very hard to get on a boat come March or May, you know, of next year.
0: For sure. Well, for those of us that uh, might get lucky with the trip in the future or that want to go fishing with you guys either this year or next year, how do we do that?
1: Um, You can check out my website, intrepid.net, or you can call me at the office, 619-224-4088 um but we're set up you can if there's open spots you can book online but there's also a wait list. so i tell everybody even for 2023 get yourself on the wait list because i do call that before i open anything online so if you really want to get on a trip go on the website figure out which one and then either book it or get on the wait list
2: or for Fisherman's landing fishermen.com 619-221-8500 you could always ask for myself or any of the guys on the uh, that answer the phone will be more than happy to help you. Uh, we have all the half-day to three-day trips online there. If you're looking for the longer-range trips, you would just go to the long-range section on Fisherman'sLanding.com and pick
1: out your boat, and
2: we'll link you right to them.
0: Excellent. Fantastic. Guys, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate
1: Super it. Super fun. Thanks, Chris. You're, I enjoyed talking to you. You're welcome.
2: Anytime.
0: Absolutely. Well, one last question. Between us, who's the better fisherman out of you guys?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to give Carl surface iron and I'm going to take live bait.
2: I'll, I'll live with that. Okay.
1: <laughs> that's the only way we can get along. That's a very equitable answer from both of us. Yeah. I was going to say,
2: those <laughs> politically
1: correct things. <them>. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you guys.
2: You're welcome. Anytime. Absolutely.
0: Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to go leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast, and we definitely want to hear from you. Thank you guys so much. We will see you guys next week.